Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lin, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hung. The world of technology and healthcare are ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about faking it till you make it. Does that approach work in healthcare? And be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 16 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. Are we faking it till we make it on this podcast? <laughs> at the uh, beginning, maybe. <laughs> I think at the beginning we were, John. But you and I both have imposter syndrome. So, you know, we, we always we don't feel really like know faking. the truth. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we always feel like we're faking it until we make it. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting topic because, of course, um, Theranos is back in the news again and all the stuff coming out that's being revealed from, um, from the trial and all the transcripts. I mean, it's just this, you can't make this stuff up, right? I mean, it almost reads like a Hollywood script um, yeah. and it probably will be very, very soon, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's interesting how uh, Hollywood goes after that, but it is crazy. I mean, like, it's so amazing that she was actually able to do it, right? I mean, like, that's like a the fundamental thing for me is like, wait, she was able to fake it the way she did to the extent she did and investors didn't stop her, you know, potential customers, the media, like no one, you know, called her out on it, which is absolutely amazing. Well, there, yeah, there's, I mean, you know, for me, you know, the human side of, of this trial is fascinating, right? Like on one hand, you know, you had a person who was so motivated by public image and pressure from what she perceived to be outside forces, like the investors uh-huh. Um, and then on the inside, you had like so many people, yeah, who were just trusting, right? Like, I guess it kind of on the positive I take out of it is like, man, like we're actually pretty generally pretty trusting of people because yeah. this was perpetuated for so long. Um, but also inside, like I was just amazed at how much fear there was inside at a company. I've thankfully never been part of a company like that. But I can't imagine when the you know when you hear these stories of the whistleblowers and the people who you know who are ahead of the testing who were kind of raising the red flag and, but felt really badly to, to do that. And they knew they were going to get fired and they knew they were going to like, I can't imagine an environment like that. Yeah. And I'll admit, I, I'm not an expert on the trial, but from the things I have read, yeah, she felt the pressure, but she drank the Kool-Aid too, right? Sure. I mean, <laughs> she was eating up the, you know, the black turtleneck comparison to Steve jobs and all of that. So you know, on, on the one hand, I understand the pressure, but I also, you know, think she should be held accountable for drinking it up and, and, and enjoying the, the limelight. But, you know, to your point, it, it's amazing. One that we are accepting and trusting, but related to that, I think, which I think plays into their story so well, is we wanted her to be right. Right. So, I mean, I I don't know if we would have been as trusting if we weren't just so excited for that solution to actually come to the market. And because our desire was so great to have this in healthcare, we wanted to believe that it was true. And so we probably didn't do the due diligence that we would have done otherwise. 
Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, to go along with the topic that we're talking about today, I, I think very clearly Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos went way past the line in yeah. terms of <laughs> an acceptable level of faking it till you make it. Like, well, she didn't make it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and she totally faked it. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. but, but, you know, and to me, you know, there's one thing to have confidence in your product and to believe in what you're doing. I mean, to, that to me is, an, is okay, right? Yeah, that's but, true. But to have faked results, to, to blatantly lie about the fact that your machine was doing X and Y results and achieving these results when in fact it wasn't. Uh, and, and not to even, um, or to gloss over the fact that it failed nine times out of 10, but you looked at the one positive and go, well, you know, it's good enough, right? Like to me, that, that is way <laughs> far beyond the line, which of course yeah. is what Well, happened. think about it from the EHR perspective. Uh, we saw this as well. Many of the EHRs with their certification absolutely faked it until they got the certification. I mean, they literally hard coded the answers to the certification exam and created fraud, uh, you know, and, and the FTC came down on a number of these organizations for lying about their certification. And yet now you look at it, are they being held accountable? In many cases, not. I mean, if I were a person that was trying to select an EHR, there's no way I'd touch that EHR with a 10-foot pole. But I think people that were already with that EHR or maybe don't know the history, they're buying it up. And you know, I really haven't seen a lot of damage from it, unfortunately. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you know, I think you know, that goes to a whole other discussion around accountability in general, right? In healthcare, sure. but in specifically in health IT. You know, I think... I think the, you know, the powers that be made an example of a few people to kind of, you know, make sure that they did something, but you're right. I mean, in, in the, in the overall scheme, when you look at how much money was, what the penalty was and, and what, you know, how much money kind of went in the other way, it really was just token, right. In terms of the penalty. Well, in the corrupt way they look at it, you know, and it's somewhat the entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, I forget what the the largest uh, damage was, but, you know, hundreds of million, I, I think, was for the largest one. But they just look at it and say, would I invest that that penalty to create a billion dollar business? And they're like, yeah, wh why not? So, yeah, you know, one time I heard our friend uh, Shahid Shah say that your innovation strategy should be your regulation strategy. And his idea was, you know, how you approach regulation and where you push the boundaries of what regulations allow is part of an innovation strategy for many startup companies. So there is a fine line to walk there as far as trying to push the envelope and see how far you can go. But, uh, you know, how far do you really take it? Yeah, that's that's so true. And, and to me, you know, as a health IT company, one area that I would say we would never fake it would be the results. Like if your product doesn't do A or B or it performs one way, you can't say it performs another way. Like there's no way, to me, that's not faking it. That's just a blatant lie, right? Where I think, you know, is a little bit gray is talking about your product roadmap, right? Like yeah. your product roadmap is pretty fuzzy anyways. Like who knows what you're going to do three years from now? I mean, you know, none of sure. us could have predicted the pandemic, but not, you know, and all of a sudden you had to jump in. <laughs> that to, changed uh, roadmaps. <laughs> exactly. You could, you could, you, yeah. All the roadmaps went out the window and you were working on telehealth, right? Like that's pretty much what happened. So I think there it's, I won't say it's faking it, but there, there is, there is a lot of gray area to say, well, we're going to, we're going to, we're thinking about working in these kind of features and kind of going in this direction. I think as the cynical people would look at that and well, you're faking it. I mean, you don't know. And you know, how, how can I, you know, how can I treat what you're saying with any degree of certainty? But 
but because it's the future anyways, it's sort of, well, I mean, there's no certainty, right? So to me, that's a, an acceptable level of faking it. And you're not really faking it. What you're just, you're making an educated guess and your guess may be just as wrong as mine. So I'm okay with that. But where I'm not okay is obviously similar to what the Theranos situation was, you know, just faking and telling people that your product does A right now when it can't do it. That, that is not faking it. Yeah, I mean, it's part of the lore of startups that, you know, and often outside of healthcare, I think more than inside of healthcare, where they, they put together the PowerPoint deck around the product they want to offer and that they want to create and they know they can create. So I think that's maybe the slight difference that you're pointing out. They could create it. They just haven't yet. And so, you know, and and then they pitch it to someone and say, would you like this product? Right. I mean, it's almost that MVP startup, you know, what's your minimum viable product? Well, your minimum viable product is a great PowerPoint deck that defines what you could create, but you haven't yet because you're trying to test to see, does the market want something like this? Unfortunately, in healthcare, my experience with that is that most CIOs that see that say, nah, we're, you know, show it to me or I'm not going to buy it. And so they actually call BS on it. The exception is, can we become partners and co-create it? That would be a different discussion. But in healthcare, they don't buy PowerPoints. They buy demos, I think. Well, I think people, you're right. I've gotten smarter uh, around that, especially given some of the early days of EHRs and even some early days of of PAC systems and so forth, where there was a lot of, um, I'll call it image manipulation going on to show a product, (laughs) right? Um, and, And you're right. I think, again, I don't think... I personally would welcome a, a demonstration where someone said, hey, look, this is where we're going. We think we can get here in six months or three months. Or, hey, you know what? With your help, we might get here in a month, right? And would you like to get on board? I think that's a better answer today than it was years ago. Because I think before there was this sort of, if you haven't got it right now and you're not capable of building it, I'm not really going to help you. But I think the, the tide has shifted where people go, no, 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 I want to be involved in the co-create. Right? Whereas before it was like, no, oh, I want a finished product. Um, and so I think, I think today entrepreneurs and, um, and their clients, especially in healthcare, are much more attuned or welcoming of that message of, hey, I, I don't have it right now, but this is where I, I want to go. And I could really use your help to really refine that vision and get towards it. I don't, I don't think people are as, uh, as uh, afraid to say that today as they were years ago. Yeah, I mean, I think there's one trend that goes against that and kind of argues against that. And that's the trend that most CIOs that I talk to, they want to buy the enterprise product. They don't want to buy a bunch of onesie, twosie solutions. And so unfortunately, many startups come and say, hey, I can transform this little slice of your problem. And guess what? Maybe they do do it thousand times better than anyone else. Although in most cases, it's probably like 10x better, right? It's not a thousand times better. So it's 10x better and it is a better solution, has a better workflow, solves the problem better. And the CIOs look at it and say, yeah, I see that you solve, you know, telehealth or remote patient monitoring for cardiology patients with this diagnosis. And you're really amazing at that. But how am I going to scale that across the thousand different diagnoses that I need to do it for? And I think that's where they get scared and they kind of pull out and say, nah, you know, like, I love what you're doing, 
can you sell to this other vendor and teach them how to do it? Because I need it to work across all, you know, hundred disease states that I'm really focused on. So I think, you know, when it comes to many hospitals, health systems, they really shun that collaboration on a very tight thing and say, I need an enterprise product. Yeah. You're, you're right. In one sense, John, I, you know, I agree that for small companies and startups, they, they have to overcome this challenge or this approach, right? Because, but I will say, I've certainly heard a lot more stories of them doing exactly the co-creation, but with these larger vendors that they have. Like we hear these stories about people working with Microsoft, right? And working mm. with Amazon or working with Epic or Cerner to co-create a brand new solution. To your point, you know, they're going with the enterprise uh, solution, like they're, they're incumbent but they're willing to work with that incumbent to try some new things, right? Like, or to, to, to co-create a, a, a solution in an area maybe they're not very strong in today. So maybe you're right. Maybe there's not a lot where a startup can get involved in that, but certainly lar- these large enterprise uh, players, I'm seeing a lot of the co-creation talk anyways. Um, and I think it's encouraging, but you're right. It, it is, it is tough to get, uh, if you're small to try and get into one of these co-create uh, projects. Yeah, we just have too many problems to solve. That's the that's the real issue. <laughs> Never a problem in healthcare. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lin and Colin Hung. And today we're talking about faking it until you make it in healthcare. Is that an acceptable approach? And what are the boundaries of it? So let me ask you this, John. Um, does it matter in healthcare who you're deceiving? Meaning like, you know, investors versus customers versus employees versus press versus patients? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a complicated question, right? And, and the idea of deceiving is hard for me from a moral level, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, deception and lies is, is a tough one, right? You know, I, I think, you know, let's go through some that you mentioned. Investors to me, like if you cannot tell the full truth to your investors, then you have the wrong investors. Like those investors are bought in for your success and they need to know the full truth so that they can help you and they can connect you to those resources. I understand it's a fine balance for a CEO to make sure that the investors are still behind them. (laughs) And especially if your investors have different views, maybe that's the one caveat where, uh, you know, there's some, some slight wiggle room there as you, as you execute on your vision. But for the most part, if you can't tell your investors everything, then that's a massive problem. And maybe you have the wrong investors. That's a, it's an interesting one. I think I agree with you for the most part. I think investors are, are one group, you know, you're a, you're playing with their money. Right. And um, you know, why would you tell them something that wasn't true? Um, you know, because it's going to come out and it's just worse. It's going to be worse yeah. right what later. And they could help you maybe. And they right? can help you. It's right. Like, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you're transparent with them, that I mean, there's a reason you brought them on as an investor. Hopefully they're strategic. They have the network. Um, you know, you should lean on them. And they've been through it before, probably, right? Like you're not going to surprise them. <laughs> right, right. Um, where I think it's a where, it, you know, again, I never would advocate deceiving somebody, but I think where it gets a lot more tricky and gray is with employees, actually. So, and I use this case more, I'm thinking more about the, on the health IT side, if you're facing a financial crunch, right? But you know, you have a line to credit or a line to a new investor that's coming in. It's just not here yet. Like, do you 
transparently tell all your employees that. I'm not sure a lot of cultures are like that where the people would stick around, right? Because you can imagine what can happen, right? If you start saying, hey, well, we may not, we may not bank payroll next month. Like you might as well just ring the bell and have everyone resign, right? Like, <laughs> so I can see there to go, well, are you going to be completely 100% transparent in that situation? I would go, most corporate cultures probably aren't like that, right? And so they would, they would not tell that part of the story until the financing came through, right? So there, you know, it's hard, it's, again, I don't know if you're deceiving somebody as opposed to, you're just not going to worry them about something that, you know, you're already working on, you have a solution for, you've already talked to your other investors about it, right? Like, mm-hmm. anyway, that, that one's tricky for me. Yeah, and no doubt there's a lot of people who've been burned by that. I, I know when I was in college, I was working at a startup company and uh, and my boss came to me and I, it was just part-time job doing their website, you know, so it wasn't a huge deal. But for me, the money in college was a huge deal, right? Sure. Like I needed that money, right? And uh, anyways, uh, I remember my boss coming to me, which I wasn't in all the regular meetings, you know, just as a part-time person, but he came to me and he's like, Hey, uh, we're working on this bridge financing and we're not sure it's going to come through and, you know, we'll be good for the money, but, you know, uh, you know, we may miss payroll. And I was like, what? It was my first time ever. Like, that's possible. That's legal. Like, you know, like in my (laughs) head, I didn't understand all the options and potentials. Right. And, uh, you know, to their credit, I think they did miss one, but then they made it up pretty quickly in the next month or something. So I never had to deal with it, but it does come down to culture. Are you a culture that shares everything or are you a culture that just, you know, head to the grindstone? The problem is if you don't share that ends up paying, uh, you know, there's costs to be paid if you don't share and then you don't get that financing. And then they're like, why didn't you tell me earlier? So, uh, you know, my own personality is definitely share earlier rather than later. And, you know, you and I have had this experience, I think, where it's like, if you share earlier, well, then those people come behind you and they rally behind your company to solve whatever problem it is. So I think that's part of the calculus too, with your employees is, can they help to solve the problem? And if so, then maybe it's right to share. I, I, you know, again, hard, you know, hard to argue with you there. And, you know, I think it really does depend on your corporate culture. I mean, this is where investing in it really, really pays off, right? So that when you do get into trouble, when there is a tough time that you have other currency that you can trade in on, right? The, you know, the fact that you, you were there for them when they needed the help and, and yep. so forth. So I totally agree with you on that. Um, it just is, I mean, I, I empathize with, with um, entrepreneurs who are in this situation, right? Like it's so hard to know which way is the right way because, you know, if you, if you be 100% transparent and there is that one group who immediately decides, you know what, this is the excuse I needed to leave and that cripples your company. Well, then what have you really done, right? Like yeah. you've, you've just created another problem that you now have an even harder time to recover from. Anyway, it's, it's no right answer there, but I can see the, I can see the, the ruminations going on in someone's mind around this. Yeah. The press is a challenging one too, because 
if you lie to them, that's idiotic because that's going to come back to bite you. Sure. But there is, you know, something about what do you share so that they write about the good stuff versus the, you know, the more challenging things. And there's definitely a nuance there that, you know, as far as what do you share and how do you frame the story and how do you, you know, push the story to them? Uh, there's definitely a nuance there as far as, uh, you know, but if you, if you definitely, if you outright lie, you're going to burn yourself with those press and that's going to come back to bite you. So I think that's never a good strategy, but framing the story in a way that's easy for them to tell the good parts of your company, uh, you know, th that's called PR. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You're, you're, you're absolutely right there. And it's, I think it's similar to cost, like to customers, right? Like and and by customers we don't mean patients. I mean I mean here it's like the actual health systems or the payers right. and, and you know whoever's using your systems. There I think you can't outright lie. You're going to get caught eventually, and it's going to be worse uh, having told that lie. However, I think there is a little bit to be said around confidence in your team, right? If a customer says, "Hey, I'd really like this enhancement to be done, and it's really important that we have it within I don't know, let's say two months." And you're kind of like scratching your head going, well, I'm not really sure we can build it in two months, but I know Johnny over in the IT department, he's, you know, or development, you know, he's really, really good. He could probably whip this up in like a month if I gave him enough time, you know, there. And then you basically say, yeah, yeah, of course we can do it, right? Like that to me is okay because there you're banking on your own people. Hopefully you're familiar with those people. You know, it's not really a lie because in terms of, could you do it in two months? Yeah, if you dropped everything else, you might be able to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, but to me, you know, sometimes that has to happen because, you know, that, if that jeopardizes the deal or if this is a super important feature that, you know, is going to help other customers down the road, you might say yes to something, even though at that moment you faked it. Right. Because you had no idea whether or not you could really do it. Yeah, the exceptions, the salespeople who just fake it and don't actually know if the company is going to deliver sure. it. I, I hate those. But, uh, you know, yeah, to your point, uh, Steve Jobs illustrated this, right? That, hey, if I push it and I do a, 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 a big goal, they might accomplish more. I mean, there's literally called BHAG, right? <laughs> Which we had a previous episode, right? Big, hairy, audacious goal actually drives higher performance. I just watched the movie Martian, which, uh, you know, I think it's an old school movie, but my son had found it. We watched it. I'd never seen it. And they're basically left someone on Mars and how do they get him back? And, and they keep moving the timelines up earlier and earlier in order to save his life. And, and, you know, I mean, obviously it's, it's Hollywood, but you know, the idea of having that stretch goal that, you know, people find creative solutions to solve for and, and do it is real. So, you know, I think that's the balance is like, how do you drive a company towards those audacious goals so that they over deliver and overperform versus lying to someone and deceiving them when there's never that intent, like that's bad, right? <laughs> that is bad. But let's talk about the last area, John. Does faking it till you make it work in marketing? Yeah, again, I mean, I think it kind of goes back to the message we said about customers. Uh, you know, if you over promise, uh, then it's just going to end poorly. You may even make the sell, but then it's it's going to go bad. And, and that's not good for the long-term part of the company. And that's why you don't let salespeople do it who are driven by sales quota, right? You want to make these decisions based on the long-term 
piece of the company, because if you bring them on under a false pretense or a lie or, or even deception, right. Uh, And, and then they get the product and they realize it's not that, well, then you just ruined all the referral uh, sales that could have come from that customer. And in healthcare, that's extremely important. They want to know, okay, let me talk to a customer and they talk to their peers. So, you know, the grapevine spreads fast when you lie and then it's not, doesn't live up to that promise. No, I totally agree with you there. Again, like there's little bits of gray, but mostly pretty black and white. You can't lie about something that you are able or not able to do because if you way over promise like Theranos did uh, and you deliver a product that's inferior uh, and doesn't do half of what you said it did, you're just setting yourself up for a disaster, right? Because, you know, that's when lawsuits happen. That's when you'll have a pissed off customer who will tell five other customers that, of their peers not to deal with you. I mean, that yeah. is extremely painful, right? Like that's not something you want. However, I, I think there's a degree of faking it in health, in, in marketing that, that I think is, is actually prudent. Like, for example, if you're a startup, if you're a new company, maybe, you know, you only have 10 customers or five customers. First of all, I don't think you can lie and say you have 20 and put 20 logos that you don't have. But you can have a very professional looking website. You can design your website to look like an IBM. You can design your website to look like an Apple, a very large company. And to me, there's nothing wrong with that. Like you're giving off a projection of your big, classy, well-established company. And to me, that, that's okay, because that's, that's more around messaging. That's more around positioning. It's about the images you use. And, and yes, maybe some cynics would say that's a little bit of deception, but it's not, to me, it's more of you're projecting an image of yourself as opposed to promising something about yourself. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, having those professional photograph, photographs of your founders, right? Like that kind of thing, as opposed to the ones taken on your iPhone, right? Like, <laughs> uh, that to me is, is okay level of faking it. Right. You're just projecting a different image than what you really are. Yeah. And what's interesting is that kind of illustrates the culture of your company that, hey, we can execute at a high level and we can perform something that's going to you know, produce good results. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't mind that either, you know, as far as projecting that, that, you know, you're a professional company that can execute at a high level. And yeah, I mean, maybe your product is still immature in its development, but, you know, they're ideally, at least there's some areas where you have a very mature product and you're still working on others, right? So I think that's part of the evolution of a startup. In fact, it's the dance that every startup company has to do, uh, I think, with most organizations. And then it really is up to the customer to kind of suss that out and understand what is real and what is Memorex, right? And right. and be able to do it. Uh, my, my favorite was with the EHR vendors. Uh, when I was doing a demo, I'd ask the question, can you do X? And they'd say, yes. And you say, can you do Y? And they'd say, yes. Well, it turns out it was kind of on me because I wanted them to do X and Y and they can't do X and Y. And so, you know, there is a, the, a fun balancing act, but you know, in, in my mind, that's still up to the customer, right? The customer needs to do it. And I need to, to understand, are you being transparent with me or are you trying to deceive me? And if I feel that you're trying to deceive me, then I'm probably done. Right. Cause that's not a good relationship. Yeah. And I'll just end by saying one thing here, because I've talked to many physicians who are getting into health IT business there, I think they're faking it in terms of their business prowess uh, right? and their, their tech f- prowess, <laughs> right? And their and perhaps their tech prowess. And to me, again, like they're not that they're deceiving someone, but they're they're, they're talking about how they've been in business for a while and how how savvy they are, or how 
you know, how hard they're going to be trying. Like, I think those are things that are okay because I'm sure inside they feel like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm, I was trained as a doctor. I didn't go to school to be a business person, but here I am doing a presentation in front of like 20 potential investors there. I think that's a, an acceptable, again, an acceptable level of faking it, right? You're going to project the image of a competent business person, a, a competent yeah, technology leader. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Now it's powerful to think about, but I mean, it's a fine line, right? Uh, you know, making sure that you're being honest and ethical, uh, but, you know, not overselling it the way Theranos did. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. Hey, listen, thanks to all of you who tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. Find out more details about our show by checking out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on Twitter using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hung with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lin. Thanks for listening and have a great week.